Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Man, hey, just so you know, I just want to say this right off the bat. Um, we are a church that really wants you to feel like not only that you, that you come to this place, but you belong in this place. And so we have some great opportunities for you guys to do that. The, just mentioned the, the women's uh, ministry does a Bible study. So if you're a lady, please show up on uh, tomorrow. It is going to be awesome. And if you haven't been, like, just show up. Believe me, they will welcome you with open arms and get you plugged in right away. We have a men's ministry that does a lot of stuff. And so they have a breakfast coming up on July 22nd, if you guys want to sign up for that. And then next week is what we call family day. And so after this service next week, if you guys remember a couple months ago, we did this um, where we have our Spanish ministry does a great job at um, doing uh, the food for us. And so this next week they're doing the, the tacos and the beans and the rice and megonadas. Uh, I don't, I've never had one, but I'm very excited. It sounds delicious. Um, and some snow cones. And so if you guys want to come out and just join us after service um, for that, we just want you to feel like you belong here. It's not just a place you come and then try to get out as quick as you can, but kind of hang out with us that would be awesome. Um, hey, who grew up with a nickname? You want to raise your hand? Just let me know if you had a nickname. You don't have to let me know what the nickname is. Don't worry. So just let me know if you had a nickname. Perfect. Um, all right, because I, you know, I want to ask all of you what they are and get the background, but we just don't have time for that. But I'll tell you some of mine now. Uh, my name is uh, Pastor Charlie Bacar. It's just Charlie Bacar. My name's not Pastor. What are you talking about? Charlie Bacar. It's actually Charles Dante Bacar. That's my actual official name, Charles Dante Bacar. Now everybody calls me Charlie. That's my nickname. Now, if you have a name like Charlie or like Bacar, you end up getting a lot of nicknames. So for instance, like Bacar, that's not like a, a, a real like common name. And so people always kind of, you know, grabbed onto that. And so uh, me and my brother, people do this to us all the time. They, they would say, hey, look, it's Bacar -ba -ba and do that all the time. <laughs> yep, it was great. My brother actually got the worst of it. He got, he literally got nicknamed chicken all through like uh, high school. So I felt bad for him. Um, it was probably because he had chicken legs because he never did leg day. But um, so there, and then Charlie, it, Charlie has its own set of nicknames. And me and, and the other pastor, Charlie, like we, we have shared some of these and, and we actually have another Charlie that's, you know, roaming around here, Charlie Jagerson. And, and if your name is Charlie, you just get a lot of nicknames. There's, there's Chuck. That's like a very common one. Um, Chuck E. Cheese, just because, why not? Um, my mom calls me to this day, uh, Chuckles the Clown. I have no idea who this person is, um, but she calls me all the time. Uh, you have Chaz, that's another one. Um, Carlitos, I don't know if anybody does that. They did that to me, so I just turned around and said, okay, cool. Um, and so just all these different kinds of nicknames. And then they kind of, like, the name Charlie had like a YouTube moment. Like, I don't know if you remember Charlie Bit Me. Remember that? Charlie bit me. Yeah, I heard that all the time. That was great. And then Charlie the Unicorn. That was another awesome one. That was a great year of my life. Um, just all these little nicknames that came with Charlie. And most people called me Chuck or Chuck E. Cheese or, you know, stuff like that. Like I was pretty, that was pretty common. And, and, but I always had a nickname, Bacar. People, a lot of people here call me Bacar just because we have two Charlies. And so it's just easier to distinguish between the two. But, but nicknames just kind of catch on, right? And sometimes you have a nickname that's just based off of your name. Sometimes it's like, 
three names down. Like, it's like, well, they started calling me this and this, like my brother getting called chicken. Like that's, that's kind of rough. But, but then some of you have nicknames because of like someone else called you that. And that was, you know, like your, your nephew. And then everybody else started calling you that because they couldn't talk right. Right. So you have all these little nicknames and some of you have nicknames outside of all of those things that people just call you as a name they gave you. And they just called you all through high school and you kind of still respond to it. Right. In fact, a little bit is it's in your identity. It's what people call you. It can be your Instagram name. It's, it's maybe just the way people call you as a friend. That's how they know if you're a real friend. Do they know your nickname? All that kind of stuff. And so that nickname is, is out there. That name people call you can be, can be out there amongst your friends and your family and, and things like that. But then you have, I'm going to call them like, like kind of secret nicknames. And they're not nicknames that people call you, at least not a lot, to your face. They're not things that, that people tell you. In fact, there are a lot of names that, that you tell yourself. And some of them are pretty, uh, are pretty harmless, right? That you're just like, you're just like, I'm quiet. I'm a quiet person. I am not a quiet person, but you might be. Um, I'm a loud person. And so you might say, I'm loud. Or I'm an, I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert, right? You have those kind of names. And then some of you have given yourself names that are actually very harmful to yourself. Hey, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. I'm just too dumb. I can't get anything. I can't understand anything. I'm just going to stay over here where things are simple because I can't learn. Or I'm weak. I have no strength. I have no perseverance. I'm going to stay where I'm comfortable. Why? Because I can't really venture out into anything else. Hey, I have no influence. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too skinny. Nobody ever listens to me. I don't, I'll tell you some of mine that I've spoken to myself. Hey, I'm, I'm a nobody. To be honest, I'm a kid from Atascadero, some town that most of you have never heard of. And I happen in my yearbook in the small town of 20,000 people. I'm in my yearbook twice. One time, because I was in a picture with the club I was in, of the Christian club, of course. Uh, and then one time when they make you take a photo, right? That's it. That's the only time I show up in my yearbook ever. So I'm like, not like, I was never like, I never got class clown. I never got, like, I was never voted on anything. I never, I just was some kid that went to the high school. And so for me, a lot of the names I tell myself is, hey, I'm just nothing. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just doing my best, I guess. But no one's gonna care what I say. No one's gonna listen to me. Those are the things I spoke into myself. And I would make those an identity and I would, I would operate in this little nickname that I'd given myself. And this is the boundary I would put myself in. And even though I'd said something like an introvert or an extrovert or whatever, you've put yourself in a boundary with your nickname that you've told yourself over and over again. And it's hard for you to see outside of that name you've given yourself. And the scriptures we're gonna go through today deals with a man who is dealing with that very same exact problem, a nickname he has given himself and how it's very difficult for him to accomplish what God has for him because he keeps reverting back to his nickname. So we're gonna be in the story of a man called Gideon today. So if you want, you can turn your Bibles to Judges chapter six. And we're gonna see how Gideon gets outside of that name he's told himself over and over again and how he accomplishes God's will despite the name that he's spoken into existence. Before we do that, can we pray? Father, God, there are a lot of names that people struggle in here. God, a lot of names we've given ourselves that people have walked in with. Maybe identities that someone else has given them, something that someone spoke to them when they were young and they've just held on to. Maybe something that happened to them. Maybe a fear they have. I'm just going to be like my whatever. And God, today I pray you would help us break those names. So God, we can accept who we really are in you. 
Holy Spirit, do your work today. Let us receive what it is you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna be in Judges chapter six to start off with. And just let me explain the book of Judges to you really quick. The book of Judges, the whole book of Judges is basically a story on repeat. So the story is that Israel is with God and then they walk away from God. Because they walk away from God, God allows someone to come in and oppress them. When they're being oppressed, they get really sad and they call back out to God and they ask God to deliver them. So then God sends what's called a judge down to help deliver them. They get delivered from their oppression. Then they're one with God and then they get complacent and they soon fall back out of obedience with God. They fall into oppression. They cry out to God. God sends a judge. Judge comes down, relieves them uh, with the judge. Being used by God, the judge comes and relieves them from their oppression. And they do that over and over and over again. This continuous cycle that the Israelites keep falling back into. But today we're gonna talk about one of those judges and his name is Gideon. And in this certain section of a repeat story, the people of God, the Israelites have walked away from God by uh, allowing other idols to be in their households and in their lives. Now listen, they still worship God. So they have not taken God out of their lives. They've just had God and put other things up along with God. So for instance, you're gonna see the idol of Baal come back, into, come back into play. But it's not that the people have denounced God or they've walked away from worshiping God. They still worship God. They just also worship other things. And to be honest, you might think that's kind of okay. Well, I can have God, but I can also have my money or my fame, or I can have my popularity, or I can have all of that, right? It's all good, it's all okay, it's just part of my life. And I'm here to tell you that one of the things about Christianity that might seem extreme to you is that God can be the only God in your life. There's no room for God and. And the people of Israel tried to do a God and and it just didn't work out. So now they're being oppressed and the people they're being oppressed by are called the Midianites. Now the Midianites, they're not oppressing them like how you might think, like they have no political power over them. They're not trying to get them to, to become like the Midianites. They're not trying to you know, make them pay taxes, nothing like that. In fact, all the Midianites do is when the people of Israel have like grown all their crops and raised all their livestock, the Midianites will come in and just take everything. They'll just wipe them clean. They'll burn their crops. They'll take everything they want and they just run away and they're left it with Israel with nothing. And this happens over and over again. So now what do you think the Israelite people are? They're just scared all the time. All the time, they're like, man, I just don't wanna do all this work and then have Midian come in and just take it all away from me. And so they live in constant fear and, and looking over their shoulder, man, is someone coming? Are they coming again? What, what's going on? And in this state of mind is where we are introduced into our character and the guy we're gonna be looking at today, Gideon. So go ahead, look at verse 11 really quick. We're going to be introduced to Gideon. Verse 11 of chapter 6. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Orphrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now this sentence, if you were to read this in the Hebrew, would not make sense if you were back in that time. Because Gideon is so afraid of the Midianites that he is beating the wheat in the wine press. Now, this is why this is a weird situation. It's because when you would, and maybe you know this term more, threshing wheat. So when you thresh wheat, 
it is when you take wheat and you would throw it into like a big open space, right? So it's big open air. You would throw the wheat in there. And then what would happen is the wind would come through and would blow all the chaff away. And then what fell to the ground right in front of you was what you could use for a food source, right? So that's what you would usually do when you would thresh wheat or beat wheat or do anything like that. You would throw it up in the big open area, throw it up, let the wind take it. And then, and then you would have what you need for Gideon because he's so afraid. He's so scared that his job he has to do, he doesn't want to do it in front of anybody. So he hides in a wine press, which a wine press is a small confined room where you, would, where you would press the grapes to make the wine. Okay, right? So it's this really small room and Gideon is trying to throw it up in the air and there's no wind because it's all, it's all just this small little space and he's trying his best to do this job that he's supposed to be doing outside, but he's so afraid he's chosen to do it inside and make his job like 10 times harder. And it's in this moment where Gideon is doing a job the wrong way because he's afraid that the angel of the Lord comes and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty valiant warrior. Isn't that just like an oxymoron right there? The guy that's so afraid to go outside, he's being called a mighty, valiant warrior. And so Gideon's response is maybe a lot like how the rest of us would respond. He says this, he says, um, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord said to him, go in your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? So Gideon's response is, like I said, maybe a lot like how we would respond. Well, God, if you're with me, what's all this about? I'm literally so scared to go outside. I'm threshing wheat in a room that should not have wheat threshed in it, right? I'm so scared because of what is happening to my people that I cannot go outside right now. How can you tell me that you're with me when my life is literally falling apart for me and my people? Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, where are you? God, where are you at? Man, God, like where, how can you be with me if all this is going on? The, the preacher at the, at the front tells me that you're with me, but my life is falling apart. And what's the Lord's response? Well, am I not sending you? Let me, for those of you who are praying a prayer right now, and you're praying that God intervenes. Maybe this is your situation. I just, wanna, I just wanna highlight this really quick. I hope you're not praying a prayer for God to intervene and then closing off the opportunity for him to use you. I hope you're not praying a prayer that you're like, well, I hope someone else comes in and fixes my situation and not praying the prayer like, God, if you wanna use me, I'm willing to be the vessel for the answer to my own prayer. You see, sometimes what happens is we pray these prayers and we're like, God, deliver me. God, get me out of this. And God's like, dude, I'm trying, but you're not listening. I'm trying to tell you what to do to get out of the situation, but you're not listening to me. You're not doing what I'm asking you to do. You're so convinced that this is gonna happen just out of the blue that you have not even taken the opportunity to think that maybe I wanna use you to help you out. I wanna use you and your story to bring you out of the situation. It's gonna be my glory and my plan, but I'm trying to use you. How come you're not listening? And that's exactly where Gideon is. The Lord's sitting there like, dude, I'm trying to do exactly what you're asking me to do. Am I not talking to you right now, telling you this is how I'm gonna do it? But remember Gideon, man, he has this nickname he's given himself. And it's about to be revealed right now. In verse 15, he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? 
Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my household. Did you see his nickname? God, how am I going to do this? I'm the weakest of the weak. My family is weak. I'm weak. I'm the lowest in my family. How are you going to use me? How can I be a valiant warrior if this is who I really am? And look at the Lord's response. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. And right here, we have our first friction in Gideon's heart. Now he has a battling of identities in Gideon's heart. He feels like he's the weakest of the weak. He's told himself that over and over again. He's operating that over and over again, threshing wheat in this, in this little box, in this little house. But the Lord is telling him he's the mighty valiant warrior. So now he has to decide, which one do I operate in? Do I operate in the nickname I've told myself over and over again? Or do I operate in the name that the Lord just gave me? And for him and for you to know the truth, you got to understand this very important foundational theological truth right here is that the Lord knows your real name. And basically what I'm telling you is this, the Lord knows you better than you know you. So for those of you who don't speak out because you've told yourself you're an introvert and you're quiet and that's just who you are. And so you're not supposed to say stuff even though you feel like you should. That's just not who you are. I'm telling you, which name are you operating in? The one you gave you or the one he gave you? Well, I'm too weak, Charlie. I can't do that. Well, I'm, I've done too many bad things, Charlie. I'm too sinful. I can't, I can't accomplish those things that I feel God has put in my heart. I see people like you and like the other pastors and you guys do such great things, but I'm not like you. And so I can't do that because I'm this person over here. I'm gonna ask you, which name are you operating in? The one you've given you or the one God's given you? Because the more you operate in your own nickname, the more you're gonna be hindered and pulled back into something that is actually not you. You've got to determine this truth. Are you going to trust you? And I get it. You hang out with you a lot, okay? Some of you try not to, but you can't get away from you, okay? I get it. I get why you would trust yourself about yourself. It makes sense. But I'm asking you to think bigger. I'm asking you to not trust yourself, but to trust the creator of yourself, the one who made you the one who stitched you together in your mother's womb, the one who knows the amount of hairs you have on your head. For some of us, it's less than it used to be. It's okay. He knows how much is gone. Can you trust the creator of you more than you trust yourself? Because to be honest, the Lord knows your real name. And Gideon wants to believe. And so he asked God for a confirmation. He says, God, if this is from you, then, then I have this offering. I'm going to put it here. And, and the angel supernaturally uh, burns up the offering. And so then, then he says, all right, I believe this is my name. I'm going to start operating in my name. And I love this little verse that happens. It's the very end. And, it's, and I just love the connotation of it, the, the reasoning behind it. I want you to look at verse 24. After the Lord shows him and confirms in his heart that this is his real name, it says, then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Orphora of the Abyssalites. This is my, my second point, and it's one of the longest points I've ever made. But I could not take a word out because each word was important. The journey towards peace begins with accepting your identity from God. Now I put the journey 
because it doesn't happen immediately sometimes. You get a sense of peace, but it doesn't, it's not like, okay, I get it. Oh, I'm so peaceful. Sometimes it's a journey toward the peace. And it's not accepting your own identity. It's not, well, what I tell me, it's accepting the identity that I get from God. And it's only when we choose to accept that identity that we can find real peace. I just want to talk to a couple people in here that maybe you're struggling with either your gender identity or your sexual identity. And listen, I cannot tell you that I know what that's like, but I can tell you that there is compassion in my heart because I can't understand how stressful that must be. To be in a body that you do not feel is yours, I just don't, I I could not tell you what that's like, but I can tell you this, that just because you feel it or just because someone else tells you to accept it will not lead you to peace. You're going to make those decisions and I'm telling you right now from the bottom of my heart that I love you and I don't want you to go through the disappointment that you will go through when you find out that just accepting that part of yourself will never lead you to peace. It might lead you to momentary happiness. It might lead you to feeling a part of something, but it can never lead you to peace. When you're sitting alone by yourself, you'll still feel just as the turmoil and the stress and everything that goes along with that that you felt before. And it'll be so confusing because you would have felt like you made the decision to be you. How come it doesn't feel like you yet? I'm telling you, it's because you don't know you as much as the Father knows you. And if you can trust in God's identity, that's gonna lead you to the peace which means that sometimes you have to give up some of the things that you've held on to so tightly and say, God, I'm just gonna trust in you. And I love you enough to tell you that. I love you enough to tell you that I don't, wanna, I don't wanna mix it up for you. I don't wanna tell you something that might make you happy right now, but not in eternity. I'm trying to tell you because I know for sure that it is something that's gonna lead you to peace when you accept the identity that God has given you. He didn't make a mistake with you. I promise you that. And honestly, that applies to everyone in here who's had an identity that they've been working for, whether it's a CEO or whether it's the the top this or the top that. If you're working towards something and you replace that something with the Father, doesn't matter when you get there, it's not gonna give you what you're looking for if it's not the identity that God gave you. So Gideon accepts and he's like, all right, I'm gonna start walking in obedience to becoming a mighty, valiant warrior. So God says, all right, perfect. This is the first thing I need you to do. I need you to go into the town. I need you to tear down the idol of Baal. Now, he told Gideon that he was gonna deliver Israel from the Midianites. Remember when he said that? He goes, I'm gonna send you. Is tearing down the idol of Baal gonna deliver them from anything? Nope. But he asked him to. He says, go tear it down. And I I just love, this is why I love Gideon. He seems like me. This is exactly what I would do if I was in the situation right now. Look at what Gideon does in verse uh, uh, 27. Then Gideon took 10 men. He didn't want to go by himself. Took 10 men of his servants and he did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because, this is great, because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Gideon's like, listen, I'll do it, but I ain't doing it in the middle of the day, bro. I'm gonna take 10 people with me. Maybe they won't know I'm a part of me. He's like hiding in the middle of the 10. Like he's just like, we're gonna like just surround me. Nobody will see me, right? It goes in the middle of the night. He doesn't want anybody to see him. Does that matter to God? Absolutely not. God didn't sit there and say, I thought you were brave. I thought you were supposed to be something. I thought you were supposed to accept it. In fact, the only thing God's looking for is his obedience. That's all God's looking for. 
Sometimes we get this idea in our head that for God to really be proud of us, we got to take these massive jumps and leaps toward our calling. You're like, I'm going to get saved this week. Next week, I'm going to lead a life group. I'm going to be the senior pastor the third week. It's going to be great. Like, I'm going to... I'm gonna tear it up. It's gonna be great. And you just and you just start like jumping, like you're just like, I'm gonna be this, that. You're like, I'm gonna go that party I went to last week, I'm going back this week, I'm gonna get everybody saved. And you know what happens? You're not ready. You're not ready. You see, Gideon was smart enough to know that he was gonna obey, but he was assured, he like knew himself enough to know, man, I'm gonna go in the night. I'm just, and you know what? God didn't care. All God cared more for was the simple act of the small step toward the obedience. He didn't need the big, the big jump. You have to know this, guys. God walks you towards your calling. He doesn't kick you in the butt until you get over there as quick as you can. He's gonna walk you towards your calling. Some of you just got saved and you're excited, you're stoked, you're, and your life has changed. But you're trying to sprint somewhere you shouldn't be yet. You're trying to sprint into relationships. You're trying to sprint back into, sprint back into old friendships. You're trying to sprint back into old ways because you're like, well, I'm a new creation and so it'll be different. I'm telling you, be okay with the simple, small steps of obedience. Just saying, okay, God, I'm gonna go over here. All right, God, I'm gonna do it like this. All right, God, I'm just gonna show up. I'm just gonna show up again. There's something that happens when you slowly walk forward the perseverance that happens that when you slowly walk forward you become foundationally strong in what you really believe in and when things happen when you're jumping and leaping and all that kind of stuff you can get knocked off your balance quick but when you're just slowly walking you can stay on that path God's going to walk you toward your calling and, and Gideon obeys and, and, and his name begins to be known in Israel. Like, man, like Gideon tore down the idol of Baal. And, and, it, and it starts to have like, man, that guy that used to think of himself as the weakest of the weak, maybe, maybe he thinks himself a little differently, which is gonna play in a good way to Gideon in, in just a few verses. Because now God's like, all right, Gideon, we're not tearing down idols anymore. We're going to war. I'm calling you to rise up Israel and to take out Midian. And Gideon is just like me. That is for a guy who's like a little bit afraid a lot of time. Like, what do I want? I want some confirmation. I want to know this is from the father. So if you grew up in, in like Sunday school and you kind of know some Bible stories, this one is pretty like, you probably know this one. This is where Gideon takes his jacket and he puts it on the ground and he prays to God. He says, God, if this is your will, like I want you to make my, my jacket um, damp with, with dew and let the ground be dry. So he goes to sleep, comes back and it says his jacket is so damp that, that, it, that when he wringed it out, water came out, but the ground was completely dry. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, let's go. You would be like, if I was Gideon, I would fight this war right now. Let's do this thing. But Gideon, he's, he, remember, Remember what he's dealing with. Remember that nickname that's still kind of pulling at him. So he asked God, he says, God, can I just have one more confirmation? Can you do the opposite now? Can you make my jacket dry and the ground wet? And he wakes up the next morning and he does it. And for some of you, you might think, man, that's how I'm gonna make every decision of my life. I'm gonna throw my jacket outside and just ask. <laughs> but can I tell you this? What you're looking for is 100% certainty that God has got your back that God is gonna do it is what is on your heart. And I'm telling you right now, that's never gonna happen. You are never gonna be 100% certain that what you are doing is gonna work out. In fact, the most I can give you, if I'm gonna put a number on it, it's probably about 70%. You're 
you're gonna be about 70% sure that this is what God is asking you to do. And the other 30% is what we call faith. So you be like, all right. And God, if this doesn't work out, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I moved here in March of 2020 to a city called Corona, while well, a thing called coronavirus was starting to be in the news just a little bit. <laughs> you think I was 100% sure? I was not, I was 70% sure. And I packed up my family, I moved everyone over here and I lived at my mother-in-law's house and then they shut down everything. And I was about like 52% sure about that. And I, like, I told my wife, I was like, we're not renting a house. If PJ is gonna fire somebody, it's gonna be me, I'm brand new. It, nobody would even know it happened. It'd be great, it'd be awesome. That's what I would do. And, uh, and 70% sure I packed up my family, I moved over here. Now, now I sit back, I'm 150% sure that's what God wanted me to do. But it didn't happen. I wasn't 150% sure before. If you're in a moment right now and you're like, man, I think God has asked me to do this, but I'm not totally sure. Can I ask you, are you 70% sure? Are you pretty sure? Because if you're right there, then I would start moving. Don't let that old nickname back in your head. I would start moving right now because God is trying to do something in your life. So Gideon's like, all right, I got all that confirmation. I'm 70% sure. And he calls all the men from Israel. He says, guys, we're gonna fight Midian. This is gonna be great. He gets everyone there. 32,000 men show up. 32,000 men show up. And you would think, man, 32,000. You know how many Midian has? 135,000, okay? We got a little, it's a little outnumbered right now. But look at what God says. Go to, go to chapter seven really quick. Go to verse two. Look what God says. The Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. This is the first war that's ever been happened where you're outnumbered and you got too many. Too many for me to give Midian into their hands for Israel will become boastful saying my own power has delivered me. So you know what they're gonna do? Gideon's gonna go up there and says, you know what? The Lord told me if you're afraid, you can leave, okay? Now listen, I'm gonna be very honest with you. Okay, I'm gonna be transparent. I'm a pretty competitive guy. So if 32,000 of us came out and I'm one of them, and then he asked me, if you're afraid you could turn around, this is what I'm doing. I'm looking at one other dude that I'm like, there's no way that dude's staying and I'm not staying, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm picking out my guy right there and I'm intercessor praying, please turn around my guy, please. You're giving us an out, bro. We can leave right now, all right? And if he turns around, I'm turning around quick, right? Because I'm buck, 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 car, baby. I'm out of here, right? I'm, and I'll make, it, I'll make it cool. Like, I'll be like, man, I got kids. We put them better at eight. Like, I don't think I can be out here like that, Gideon. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm 37. I get tired now. Like, do you know, like, I, this is for the young people. Like, that's all the stuff I'd be saying. But I'd be gone, right? 22,000 people. I'd be one of them. 10,000 are left. And you know what God says again? Hey, it's too many. It's too many. And so Gideon, so in the most arbitrary way to ever pick an army in your life, which is how they drink water, Gideon says, he takes them down the river, they drink water. He goes, all right, the three of you that drink water like that, you're with me, everybody else go home. And now the weakest of the weak is sitting there with 300 guys. Why? Because God said, hey, listen, if you guys do this with too many people, you're gonna become boastful. And to be honest, I think he's talking to Gideon. Hey, I've given you the name Mighty Valiant Warrior, but I cannot have you be boastful in yourself about it. I need you to be boastful in me about it. Why? Doesn't that sound like God is like pretty like, he like wants all the credit, which is true. 
But like if someone did that in your class project, they're like, listen, you get zero, I'm taking 100. Like you'd be like, get out of here. But let me tell you why this is so important and why this is not the same guy in your class project. Because only God can be the savior of the world. Only God can take that burden. And when we try to replace God in someone's life, so for instance, if you're in here and you're like, man, I wanna be the hero in so-and-so's life and you're trying your best to be their hero and you're showing up for them all the time and you're doing everything for them and you're like, if I do all this stuff, then their life is gonna be changed. I'm telling you right now, you're kind of in the wrong mindset because you're trying to be the savior to them and I'm gonna be very honest with you, you're gonna fail miserably. And you're not just gonna fall, they're gonna fall with you because you were their foundation and not God. And God understood that with Israel. He's like, listen, if Gideon is your foundation, this isn't gonna work because he cannot be the savior of the world, but I can. Because if he falls, I'll never fall. When he runs away, I'll never run away. I'm always gonna be right there with you. Learn not to be the hero of someone else's story. Learn to portray and to present the gospel to someone else that's not about you, but that's all about him. And now Gideon's sitting here with 300 men And you know what creeps back into his brain? That old nickname. Man, look at you. Look at you. 300 guys, Gideon. You think you're gonna win? There's no way. You know why those 22,000 people turned away, Gideon? Because they didn't trust you. They knew who you really were. Some week of the week. You think they wanted to go to battle with you? No way. And that old nickname starts creeping into his brain. And you know what's so great? God knows this. And you think God gets mad? Absolutely not. Look what God does for Gideon in, in, uh, in chapter seven, verse, um, verse nine. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp for I have given it into your hands. But if you're afraid to go down, go with Pura, your servant, down to the camp and you hear what they say and afterwards your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Pura. He went with Pura. What does that mean? He's afraid. Remember, he's only supposed to go down with Pura if he's afraid and he goes down with Pura, which means, dude, he's scared. He goes to the outpost of the army that was at the camp. Now the Midianites and the Malachites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number as numerous as the sands on the seashore. When Gideon, behold, a man was, when Gideon came, behold, a man was relaying a dream and he said to him, behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian and it came to the camp and it struck it so that it fell and it turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his friend replied, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hands. And when Gideon heard the account, of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down in worship and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. Do you see the, just the change that happens in Midian's heart? When he goes down and he hears the men talking about him, the weakest of the weak, and what are they saying? What is the enemy saying about Gideon? They're like, guys, he's gonna come down. I'm so scared of that guy, Gideon. Like, he's like a loaf of barley. It's just coming down. He's tearing up all our camps. Like, have you heard of this guy, Gideon? Gideon is telling himself, I am the weakest of the weak. And they're saying, dude, this guy is crazy. Like, he's, he's, he's amazing. He must be the greatest warrior of all time. And all of a sudden, like, Gideon gets all of his energy back. He gets all of his courage back and he goes back and he tells everybody he says we're taking the camp tonight 
And he gets all the 300 men together and they surround the camp and all they have to do is bang the pots and break the clay jars and they blow the trumpets and the people in the camp are so afraid because of the dreams God has given them that they wake up and they kill each other. And that's how, that's how the Midian army is destroyed. Not by 32,000 brave soldiers, but by 300 men worshiping God with noise. And the people so scared of what that would mean, they end up killing each other. Why was Gideon so encouraged by hearing the dream? Because Gideon understood this crazy thought that the God who spoke his name into existence the God who loved him so dearly, the God who would be patient with Gideon and walk with him as he was afraid and he was scared and he was terrified, that God was so powerful that not only could he be with Gideon right now, but he could be working ahead of Gideon in the future. That he could be working ahead and making a way and implanting dreams. That, that Gideon all of a sudden became so like amazed by the power of the God that had given them the name that he was encouraged and said, I'm going. Because the victory's already been won. Because God's not just with me speaking encouragement to me. He's working ahead of me and tearing down my enemy. And that is something you need to know right now. That if you got something going on, you need to know this. God is always working ahead. He's got you. The God of the universe, the God that literally sits outside of time. So powerful. He can be in the past, here, in the future. He loves you so much, he chose to give you a name. He chose to use you in a very, just the most perfect way that aligns not just with your nickname, but also with your real name. And he's saying, I got something great for you. Are you willing to accept it? The victory's already won. I already got this worked out. I just need you to walk in simple obedience. Are you willing to do that? Last thing I want to leave you with is this, is when we accept the name God has given us, we can walk in victory and in peace. And today, if you've been struggling with your nickname, you've been struggling with your life, you've been struggling with the victory and the peace in your own, in your own circumstances, I'm telling you right now, have you accepted the real name God is trying to give you? or you've been pushing it back because of what you've been telling yourself. And let's be honest, people might be surprised the nickname you give yourself, right? Because you put on a great face. But you know who's not surprised is the father. He sees you when you're scared, when you're hurting, when you're lonely, when you're struggling with your own identity, when you're struggling with the things that no one else knows about, he knows exactly who you are. For the Christian in the room, you've, you've, you've hindered your walk because you've accepted that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, but you haven't accepted who he's trying to make you yet. And it's time right now to accept that and to start walking in it. And for those of you who are not saved, you haven't become a Christian, either you walked away a long time ago or maybe you've just never had the opportunity and you've been struggling with your own identity, I wanna offer you the opportunity to have the greatest identity you can ever have, which is to be a son or a daughter of the king, to be adopted into the family of God. And I don't wanna leave today without you having that opportunity because it's the greatest identity you can ever have. So if you're in the room today, can you bow your head, close your eyes. And I'll talk to those of you who are struggling with 
you're a Christian, you're saved, but you're struggling with identity, I'm telling you right now, this is my encouragement to you with your eyes closed. I, I'm hoping that you're praying about what it is that God's asking you to do. Where it is that you've hindered yourself. Where it is that you've, you've just kind of told yourself it's not gonna happen. What is the next step for you to accept the real name God is trying to give you? And if you're in the room today, and you want to accept the name as a son or a daughter of the king, then with every head bowed, every eye closed, what I want you to do is raise your head up and look right at me and don't stop looking at me. Just raise your head up and look right at me. i see you guys. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, just look up right at me. i see you, bro. Don't stop looking at me. i see you. If you're looking at me, then I just tell you right now, you've made the greatest decision of your life. Honestly, the best decision of your life. And the journey to peace is gonna begin right now. It might not happen right away. Like, don't get discouraged if you don't walk out of here and like, dude, my life is all put together. That's fine, but the journey toward peace happens right now. And I wanna give you that opportunity with a simple prayer we're gonna pray. So go ahead, bow your head, close your eyes. Everyone, if you could repeat after me, Father, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, be the savior of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Comfort me, encourage me, convict me so that I may walk in obedience. Father, right now, I pray that those who prayed that prayer from the bottom of their heart, that they want to become a son or daughter of the living King. God, I pray that they would know their identity right now. Holy Spirit, you would speak into their life so loud. They would, you'd be speaking the, the thoughts of encouragement into their brain. God, the old nicknames would begin to fade away, but you would tell them new things like you're worth it. You belong here. You're amazing. You were made for something bigger, that you are something that is so powerful and so, and so constructive. You are not a mistake. You are here for a purpose. And that, Father, they would begin to hear those words happen in their own mind and their own heart that they would understand that they are now adopted in the family of God that, that they have the Holy Spirit living in their life and they have now the power to, to, to take back what the enemy tried to take from them and they can give away that old nickname and operate in their new one as they are a new creation today. And God, we pray for those that are in here that are struggling. God, even though they're saved, they're struggling with that name. God, let them learn to walk. If they're brand new to Jesus, let them learn to walk. God, if they're in here and they've been here a long time, God, let them learn to discern your voice from their voice. And God, let them trust yours. Let them trust in the voice. Let them move with 70% assurance, knowing that you're gonna be with them. You've already set the victory up. We ask all of this in your name, amen. Will you guys repeat after me? Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. We'll see you guys next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.